Hello, I'm Regina Botras and welcome backstage where we talk with theatre makers from actors, directors, writers, theatre heads and beyond about their life in the theatre and how they got to be where they are now. And my guest in this podcast is Priscilla Jackman. This went to air in February 2021. She is a director of theatre and opera. She's also written for the theatre. She's currently assistant director to Inani through Opera Australia and currently in rehearsals, associate director for Bluebeard's Castle. For STC, she directed White Pole by Anne Felicia King, award-winning production there. She has also written and directed Still Point Tony, the Catherine McGregor story in 2018, assistant directed The Father in 2017 and The Hanging in 2016. She's director for the Ensemble Theatre. She's worked internationally. She's an award winner. She's worked under Barry Kosky's company in Berlin, as well as Complicite in the UK. And she's here with us to talk about her life in the theatre. Welcome to Stages, Priscilla. Oh, thank you for having me. Great to be back. Thanks for coming on. So before we get into how you direct opera for uh, Opera Australia, I want to get a sense of how you came to be in the theatre and be a director and writer and all the levels of of theatre that you've done. So where are you from? Oh, I grew up in Brisbane, but I I left Queensland by the time I was 17. I sort of left and... uh, and I haven't been back much since, except I'm very excited that this year I'm taking White Pearl to Queensland Theatre, which is the Sydney Theatre Company show I did last year. Um, we're really excited to be doing um, some work up in Queensland. So it's exciting to to take a show back to my hometown. But no, really Sydney um, and, and London for many years were um, where I sort of found myself and your your theatre legs <laughs> is that what they're called sea legs, the, the legs. well yeah. um I trained originally as an actor I was always interested in directing always um, but I didn't really have any grasp of how one became a director or even how that sort of professional world worked obviously acting was a bit more accessible at the time so I trained to be an actor uh, at USQ and then I moved down to Sydney and that sort of set me off on a journey of about 15 years um, working professionally as an actor on and off, of course, like all actors. I moved down to Sydney directly after finishing drama school and then just had sort of, you know, did bits and bits and pieces of of work and eventually headed over to London to do a show over in London and um, that particular show called The Vegemite Tales was written by a dear friend of mine and a Melanie Tate, a writer who's still a great creative collaborator of mine. And I was in that in the initial production, which was a gorgeous little comedy about Aussies living in London. And um, what we didn't realise at the time, at the ripe old age of 21, I think we were, is that we actually were hitting into a really um, sort of powerful zeitgeist and of course in terms of being a transient place London lots of Aussie travellers we found that we were selling out seasons over and over again we got quite a lot of backing from Qantas and Kraft and before we knew it that production was really hitting its strides and going to moving to bigger and bigger theatres and in fact my visas ran out along the way but the production itself went on for nine years and and, and ended in the West End so it was a really um, fundamental kind of era for all of us at that stage but because of my visa I'd had to come back to Australia and I eventually headed back to London again 
But it was many years before I returned and I suppose really found the courage to follow my dream, which had been to direct and getting into NIDA in 2015 was a huge turning point for me. So I, I did the NIDA directing course and really haven't looked back since. Wow. Was Vegemite Tales, was it, what was it that was attractive? Um, It was just, it was a gorgeous little comedy about Aussies living in share accommodation in London. Mm -hmm. And Melanie Tate, who I've gone on to to work with again in the Appleton, she's the writer of the Appleton Ladies Potato Race, which is, was a sellout season last year and is coming back and touring in New South Wales Queensland and I think we're doing a few Victorian theatres as well this year and I was due to do a broadcast coup with Melanie when COVID shut the theatres down this year too so it's a long-term friendship and a really important creative connection that I have and yeah I think Mel has gone on to write and find her own voice but when we look back at the Vegemite tales even though she was sort of young and inexperienced it's similar sorts of things it's theatre that Melanie's got a wonderful sense of the vernacular and for comedy and the rhythms of language and yet her work always has a a political edge and a huge spark of heart. So it's a sort of winning combination I think that she started back in the days of the Vegemite tales before we any of us knew much about it and sort of 20 years on she's doing doing really well continuing to find power in that voice of hers. Mm. So do you think that finding those relationships within theatre or opera or whatever world, uh, like talk to me about that kind of relationship? I mean, I suppose all arts, but particularly theatre and opera, the the depths of those creative relationships are at the core of all of the work that uh, we make because it's a collaborative art form. And I suppose working professionally the last few years, one of the most rewarding and wonderful understandings that I've reached is about the depth and importance of particularly the relationship between designer and director and the sort of sacred um, creative space that you inhabit. On the current production I'm working on uh, as an associate director and Andy Morton is the director. And we've sort of found a, a similarly important collaborative dialogue I suppose as we start to unpack this world and um, you start to try and create a shared vision with the people that you you work with it's one of the most wonderful things I think about our our art form is that it absolutely relies on the depths of that creative collaboration and I feel really very very lucky with the people that I have worked with over the last five years or so and it's sort of no wonder that when you strike up a, a, a relationship that is really rewarding and really engaging and extremely satisfying creatively that you tend to want to work with the same people again. It's always wonderful to work with new people and it's always like coming home when you get to work with those those people whose, you know, whose relationship you most value because of, you know, the excitement and the beauty and the, the depth of work that you're able to create together. It, it's really a gift yeah. to be able to, to work in the arts like this. I find that designers are often under, oh, I don't know, not valued, but not thought of as much like you think the actors or the director, but it is incredible the detail and the depth of work goes into it. What is going on with Bluebird's Castle? We have a wonderful lighting designer, John Raymond, that Andy and I are working with, and it's really a creative team of three. So um, Andy and I have sort of got the opportunity to, to do this opera that is, oh, it's a really political piece, mm-hmm. and we've had to um, really think innovatively around um, our vision for for the use of space and for the design elements and we're so grateful to be working with John Raymond because it really is a 
a piece that's going to be about a sort of yeah space figures and uh and a a deep kind of psychological relationship between two two people I see as opposed to Anani which is very opposed to Anani which is magnificently opulent yeah masks and chorus of 54 and (gasps) seven principles and and extremely traditional um early Verdi so it's quite extraordinary coming from Anani and then into Bluebeard, because you couldn't probably get more polar opposite. Bluebeard is an opera for only two people. It's a 20th century opera by Bartok. So it's as far from Verdi as you can get. And to have mm. them, the experience of doing both one one after the other, is um, it's beautiful. It sort of keeps you on your toes. So how did you move from actor to director and now into opera? Yeah, the, I mean, I have always Hope, hoped and felt that that they're all they are all c- deeply connected. I don't think you have to be an actor before you direct, but it certainly helps a lot in the room. And I think um, coming to directing, having a sort of life experience and certainly um, a professional experience in any aspect of of theatre is useful. I've always wanted to direct opera, and I've been working with Opera Australia for the last three years mm-hmm. on smaller shows, often doing their schools tours. And so this year has been a really wonderful opportunity to to dip my toe in in main stage work and of course to associate direct is a really wonderful opportunity that I'm I'm really grateful to have and to be working with Andy Morton on on Bluebeard but it's been a, a slow and steady journey to to be working in opera and it's not something that I hope to do instead of theatre it's all all to me feels very very much interrelated and I hope experience in one field really informs the other does it do you approach it differently uh that the depth of the uh, collaboration within the room is different because uh, music is the the music and the conductor, of course, are, are the you know the the height of the hierarchy in a mm. in an opera space. And I have really found it so rewarding to, um, as a director, often you feel that you have kind of the the weight of the entire production on your own shoulders um, mm. obviously you're working deeply with others but you know the you're responsible for for the room and for the running of the room and for the success or failure really of the production and so what's been wonderful in opera is to be able to work a, as a director and yet also have that that richness of collaboration where at the end of the day the music is uh, is the absolute spine and backbone of all of the work that you're creating um, and so while for me making opera that is visually stunning and um, you know really uh, clear and 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 of depth and complexity in terms of its narrative all the things that feed into really thrilling theater while I hope that that's the the, the sort of opera that we create we also have this other huge, bonus of um you know exquisite music to work with and that dictates uh, a lot of choices that in in theater perhaps you don't have that as your foundation um although working with music is a, a sort of starting point for me no matter what production oh, i'm yeah. working on finding the sound and the score and the music for mm. any any work i mean i think finding that sort of the invitation into the sound of the world and the, and certainly yeah music and composition is is all really important and and a central kind of building block for approaching a, a, a script as well mm so is that the musicality of the 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 words as well as what you 
I don't know, like how would it work when it, with a non-opera piece? Yeah. <laughs> Obviously the language and the tempo rhythms of the language and the, the dialogue and the rhythms of the language is important in a, in a, in a, in a theatre play. But as a director, you're not just working with words, you're working with visuals and with the, um, the audio and the sound of the world that you're creating. And so for me, in terms of my process, I realised quite early on that, um, you know, if I'm approaching a script, um, working out, um, finding music that, that um, to me speaks to the, the script or perhaps suggests um, locations or, um, or for some reason I'm drawn to some sort of resonance with the music, you know, creating sound files is one of the first things I do when approaching a, a play because wow. um, whether or not you use that sound in the in in the finished piece is is completely another matter and hopefully you've got sound designers and composers who'll do much more interesting things than you could ever dream of that's one of the joys of collaborating with experts in in sound but from a directorial perspective in terms of building the world it's like I suppose an actor will build up the given circumstances of their character and their character's backstory for me it's really inf- important to find the sound and the the music that speaks to to you know the play that you're creating. Yeah. So I was I was going to ask you, it, is this a different way that you work than when you were acting? Did you think of the musical music sort of? No. So it is a new. Yeah. No, it's to- you've got you. You're just so like blissfully unaware as an yeah. actor, or I was anyway, <laughs> of all of the depth of everything else, and you think you're at the center of the whole process and. I mean, you know, some some could argue that they they certainly are. But yeah, as a director, you have the advantage, I suppose, or the opportunity to look far more broadly in terms of your your lens. And yeah, it allows you to sort of, again, tap into the different disciplines that all of those amazing uh, experts bring to create the world of the piece. Whereas with an actor, yeah, it's you're much more centered on the work you're and the relationship you're building with your own character rather than um you know all of the all of the other facets that a director considers mm. so tell me about when you uh, did go overseas and you worked with uh is it Barry Kosky's company and Complicite and yeah. yeah that was amazing um I was really lucky in 2017 I won the um Opera Foundation for Young Australians um Berlin uh, director's award and I was able to go to the commercial opera and work as like an intern really for about two or three months and um, I was not in Kosky's room but he was very present in the building uh, and it was wonderful to sort of experience the leadership that he clearly brings his company you'd hear this huge Aussie voice booming down the corridor and you'd sort of check yourself and there there Kosky would come around the corner with his gorgeous dog Bobby's you know tied to his belt and trotting through the the corridors of the commissar and um yeah it was really an extraordinary opportunity and um I was in um Satyagraha which is a Philip Glass opera um directed by Sidi Labi and Labi's one of my favorite movement directors and choreographers so the um synchronicity of of his production of such a graha being on um and for me to have the opportunity to sit in his room was really uh, it was really something else so that was that was uh i think 2016 17 
And yeah, Complicite, I had um, I had a working relationship with prior to going to NIDA, and I worked with them in 2014 and 13, creating um, sort of uh, a whole suite of resources for directors, um, teachers, uh, makers to create innovative devised work. And so yeah, I, I worked a couple. I went over a couple of times, and we ran workshops and we created online resources um, and that was a real turning point for me also in understanding I suppose in finding that sense of self-belief and that um, there was a you know something I could offer perhaps if I if I dared to take the challenge and, and really do do the training and um, spend that year at NIDA um, to understand and, and develop my own craft a little more. So yeah, they, they sort of that was it. When I, it's funny, isn't it? At the time, you don't realise how things are connected, but it's definitely been part of the the, the long journey. Um, mm. When I was working with Complicite, I didn't realise that I would go to NIDA, um, oh, and yes. yet without having had that opportunity at Complicite, I maybe I maybe wouldn't have realised, um, you know, what was possible. Mm. So I'm Regina Botras, and I am talking with Priscilla Jackman. So. What is the most like challenging or production that you've been proud of most so far? Oh, still point turning yeah. is um, definitely one of the most challenging productions and most rewarding because of the depth of the um, the the work. I mean, I don't consider myself a writer, um, but that is a that's a play that I I wrote using a verbatim methodology based on the interviews with Catherine McGregor, mm. and um, you know to create a piece of theatre for main stage that um, was not was not a play to start with, and to um, and, and when I'm not a writer and to be able to you know have that vision and um, convince others that there is something really worthy of of um of the work and also of course to have the the trust of Catherine herself uh yeah that was that's one you know was a was a huge uh production very much mm. um and you know any all new work tends to be um have its own challenges because you're you're testing material for the for the first time so you're not a hundred percent sure I mean, that's the wonderful thing about live theatre. You don't know, even if it's a tried and tested script, um, you're not sure how the production will actually prevail. But when you're doing a brand new work like um, the Appleton Ladies Potato Race or, um, you know, a broadcast coup, which we'll go on to do hopefully next year or um, Still Point Turning, there's a, you know, there's been a whole lot of plays that I've done out of necessity. They, they are new work. So that whole journey of, you know, believing in it, finding finding a, a piece or building a piece that you believe in and then being able to pitch it and convince companies to take the risk on the new work and then striving and striving and striving to ensure that that work is, um, you know, the best quality and, and of most value to an audience. It's, um, it's yeah, it is, a, it's, it's a, it's a big, it's a big task. And uh, yeah, so I think I feel really proud of I mean, I feel proud of lots of the projects that I've had the privilege of working on, but I think it's the new work that's the most challenging. Mm. So what, what what kind of advice would you give to someone who was interested in being a creative in the theatre, you know, to survive as a creative? I know, it's so tough, isn't it? I think, I mean, the best thing, obviously, 
you can do is see absolutely everything you can mm. and to see as much theatre as possible and to support the arts as much as possible, but also to be interested in a variety of arts. Um, a few years ago, I directed a, another production that was brand new um, that we created called Eurydice and Orpheus, and that was with the NIDA students and also um, the National Institute of Circus Art, um, which is NICA, it's like NIDA for circus students. Nice. And we, I worked with a wonderful um, circus director, Sebastian Hunter, and we created the, the, the work. And it, it's that um, leap of faith in the fact that other, other disciplines can become part of a theatrical um, language that you can use. I'd love to one day create an opera out of that work. And I, I think so for anyone who's interested in the arts, really um, making sure that you're, you're seeing as much as you can and seeing things as broadly as you possibly can um, is really important. It's really wonderful. We've got so much stuff online. I suppose it's one of the few silver linings of COVID. Yeah. But I think the other thing is to look beyond just what we're doing in Australia and try to be inspired and informed by our global community because that's also a really thrilling um, starting point for us, I think, as artists to continue to see ourselves as belonging to a greater world environment and um, and being open to, to the sort of influences around the world too and then I just advise people I wish someone had given me advice yes. early on that I could that I could that of course I could pursue directing you know I just didn't really understand how or why and again maybe the world's a very different place with the internet and everything now but I think if you feel that you have something inside that you're drawn to then having the courage to find out about that and 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 to pursue it and to ask questions and to you know do short courses etc because um yeah I feel like it you know it's not a waste all those years that I that I was doing other things but um it is wonderful to finally be doing the one thing you want to do and so I'd just encourage people to really seek seek out those dreams have courage <laughs> do you miss do you miss acting my last question uh, no I mean I think I think if I had a, a director that I really trusted mm. I'd probably be interested in maybe doing it again one day but it feels like a long way away from me and I don't know I don't know if I don't know if I'll ever go on stage again I don't I don't think I'll miss it either I don't in many ways i I feel like this is far more me than acting ever was, but mm. um, I don't want to say never. And and certainly I've got a whole new respect for directors. <laughs> I can tell you that than I ever had any idea about when I was acting. So in a way, working with a director I really respect and admire would be a wonderful thing. But, I, you know, I don't know if that'll ever happen. Oh. Well, Priscilla Jackman, in the meantime, we will see you on stage through the actors and yeah. cast and oh, in, in that way. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, that was Priscilla Jackman, Director of Theatre and Opera. You've been listening to Backstage. I'm Regina Botrop. 